Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and normally I'm joined by these two knuckleheads, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. But we are graced this episode with a new knucklehead. Uh, uh, introduce yourself, sir. Hey, thank you, man. I've already made knucklehead status. That's how I made it. <laughs> Straight. I'm the uh, author of the book, Funny Thing About Minnesota, which is the, the rise, fall, and rebirth of Twin Cities stand-up comedy. Awesome. But where can people find the book? Yeah, I mean, the book is, if you're, if you're local to Minnesota, it's in all the bookstores, everybody from the small independents to your Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's through the Minnesota Historical Society Press. So our historical society has it there. You can order through their website, or you can give Big Daddy Bezos your money. And you can just go through Amazon. <laughs> you can build another spaceship or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, I will say there are a couple of occasions that uh, um, help support this topic. And one is April is National comedy month if you believe these calendars and april 28th is clean comedy day and that ties into our topic which was is the mount rushmore of clean comedy and uh you know i guess i'll bring this up with our guests um sometimes people mistake clean comedy for i think weak comedy or family comedy or kids comedy but i don't think that that's the case do you think so patrick no, you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm just as guilty as some of those other people. Like there is times I think when somebody describes themselves as a clean comic, I always kind of make that subconscious leap where I'm like, oh, okay. So this is going to be a lot of dad jokes and it's going to be a lot of, you know, just kind of cornball type stuff. But no, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at some of the, the biggest comics that are, that are still out there, you know, guys like Jim Gaffigan and things like that, you know, they're clean comics and they're, you know, they're playing arenas um and i think you've got you know groups like uh like dry bar comedy which is out in i believe they're based out of utah and they have their own youtube channel and they put out albums and all this stuff and they've they've really kind of opened up everybody's eyes to you know just how much really good really quality clean stand-up comedy there is out there and the other thing too is i think and you guys you know i'm sure we'll we'll get into this and we'll probably debate this a little bit but i think the idea of what is clean comedy is also something that you know, it's, it's up for debate. It's up for discussion, right? I mean, is it just, you don't swear? Is it just that, you know, you don't talk about adult topics? Is it one or the other or both? You know, so I think that's a, a big part of it too. You know, it's, it's funny and I'm just going to start shamelessly plugging my book right away. There's a, a guy who was big in the original days of the Twin Cities stand-up scene named Bill Bauer, who was known as just this absolute madman. Like he was like Sam Kinison before Sam Kinison, essentially. I mean, just the stuff he would talk about was just so raunchy and so dark and so just incredible that a lot of people were like uncomfortable when he performed, but he was funny. He was smart. And years later, he went to like all the promoters in town. And he said, great news. I do clean comedy now. So, you know, I'm open for corporates and I can do banquets and whatever you want to do. And somebody entered for the, for the book, actually, they booked him because they said, okay, you're clean. They went, yeah, nobody told Bill that like, yeah, you don't swear anymore, but you're also talking about like having sex with dead animals. <laughs> That's not clean comedy, Bill. Like yeah. it doesn't, that doesn't, just because you didn't say the F word doesn't mean you're a clean guy. So I yeah. think that it's up for debate. Yeah. Okay. That's that's really a uh, great to delineate. Okay. Well, hey, uh, since you are our guest, you would start us off, and would uh, Wild Bill be on your list, or are you going to start off with somebody else? I'm going to start off somebody else. Like I said, okay. I don't he I don't think he makes the list of of clean comics, and even though I don't want to get, you know, I want to win because winning is the most important thing. Of, <laughs> of course, 
Uh, but I'm going to try to go for a theme this evening. I'm going to try to go for the theme of all Minnesota or Minnesota adjacent comics. So, awesome. you know, I'm, I'm going to, um, there's one I'm going to leave off the list and you, if you guys choose to take it by all means, but I'm going to leave Louis Anderson off the list intentionally, you know, as you know, Louis passed away just a couple of months ago. And I feel like, you know, picking Louis for this list to me is like coming up with your, your starting five for a, an all-star team and being like, okay, well, I get Michael Jordan first. And it's like, well, everybody's hmm. getting Jordan first. Like it's yeah. too easy. So to me, you know, Louis Anderson is probably the greatest all-time clean comedian. He's influenced so many people. He's so funny. He's so good. Um, so for that reason alone, I decided let's keep it interesting. I'm going to keep Louis off my list. So he kind of gets the, you know, he's the, the lifetime achievement award, but to your question, Jeff, my first one tonight, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take a big bite out of everybody's. And I'm going to say my first one is going to be Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg is my first pick. Nice. Clean comic. And this is where I feel like we get into the debate about like, what is clean comedy? You know, you, when you think about Mitch Hedberg, I think everybody thinks about, you know, everybody has these great one-liners they love, but you always kind of have this in your mind. You don't think of him as a clean comic because there was so much drug talk. There was so much, you know, there was so many nuances in his comedy that, if you weren't an adult, you didn't get, but he never said anything that was filthy. You know, you aren't going to go back and find a, a Mitch Hedberg set where he's swearing and where he's talking about all sorts of just like horrible, nasty things. So to me, I think that, you know, nobody has done, in my opinion, one-liner comedy better. So I'm going Mitch Hedberg is my first pick. Cool. That's a great, uh, yeah, first outing there. It, you know, the lines, if you think of uh, clean in terms of um, kind of concepts, the guy who says, I used to do drugs. I still do drugs, but I used to also. <laughs> it's probably not the one you're going to sit down with your kids and listen to, but yeah, totally. And I think him killing on uh, late night shows uh, is evidenced by maybe that 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 uh, dual nature that he has, where we know he's, he's uh, not using expletives, but we know he's probably not going to be daycare provider of the year either <laughs> dude yeah cool cool great outing so uh richard and michael what are your first choices yeah i'll go I'll ahead you go first i'll right, go first go for our team and um when we brought up the topic i started thinking about comedians that i watched with my family when i was a kid so this would have been in the early to mid 80s and the two that i the two stand-up special or stand-up comedians that I remember watching with the family and it being like a big, like, hey, we rented the VHS from RJ Video. We brought it home. The two I remember were Bill Cosby and Gallagher. Hmm. We're not going to talk about Bill Cosby. <laughs> it's a fun show. And right now there's not a lot of fun things to talk about with Bill Cosby. We can talk about Gallagher, who is, you know, in his own way, possibly as not great of a person as Bill Cosby, but just in a less less harmful sort of way. Um, and I think it part of it goes to show that you can, that the style of comedy that you do doesn't necessarily equate to the type of person you are. Hmm. Right. I mean, Gallagher, he, when he tried to make, he tried to reinvent himself as this like Dane Cook kind of very misogynistic jokes and very raunchy types of jokes and famously got into it with Mark Marin on the WTF podcast and stormed off when Mark Marin called him out on it. Um, and the other thing is just there are a lot of there are a lot of comedy bits that I remember from a kid, like watching Monty Python, that obviously still hold up today. But there's some stuff that when you're younger, 
like Gallagher just hits. I mean, he's got a giant, <laughs> he's literally hits. He's got a giant sledgehammer and he's smashing things. Yeah, for being for being a clean comedian, he certainly does require um you to cover yourself with a tarp. Quite yeah. quite a bit of cleanup is involved. I mean, he's got a giant uh couch that's a trampoline that he can jump on. Yeah. That has giant coins stuck in the couches. That's funny when you're like eight or ten. Mm. I think I think he also has had a lot of like um just these sorts of kind of uh, almost kid-friendly, naive kind of ponderisms that uh, made you felt like uh, you could get it at no matter what age. I remember him talking about, um, like the thing that I think of most is like, uh, aside from smashing watermelons, was him like uh, pondering uh, the concept of why buildings aren't called belts. And it was just this dumb, like, you know, play on words. Like, why are they called a building? It's done being built. Why? And it's just like the way that he would deliver like these weird things and the audience would erupt in laughter. And as a kid, I felt the same way. It's just like, yeah, why aren't they called belts? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, it, to that point, it's just, you know, a lot of his comedy was wordplay when he wasn't doing the prop stuff. Like you said, Michael, it was, it was the type of thing that for a family, it was easy for us to be able to sit down and everyone could enjoy it. It's just not some, and, and it's not to say that that type of comedy, like I remember watching Jerry Seinfeld stand specials with my parents and you could put Seinfeld on there. I don't remember him really using swear words that much in his, certainly in his earlier stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen him do stand up lately. Um, but you can work that style and be really funny. But you look back on someone like Gallagher, who I thought was really funny when I was 10, doesn't hold up today. Do we all know that he licensed his act to his brother, who is nearly his lookalike? Gallagher, too. Yeah. And yes. he wanted, yeah. And he, he wanted, I think, to play smaller venues. Or I think Gallagher had graduated to theaters. And uh, I think Gallagher, too, his brother was using his was licensing his act um to play in smaller venues and then just stopped paying his older brother and so i think uh, <laughs> gallagher one had a cease and desist against gallagher two uh who had stopped even adding the two uh, on the posters for his appearances so um yeah jeff jeff this isn't going to help with our scoring but um our second choice is gallagher two. Oh, is no. it really <laughs> no no <laughs> all right all right well uh let's go with uh patrick's second choice what is that sir all right, last one. Or I guess my next one here. I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward. And I'm gonna go to somebody who's current, who's a little bit more in the present. And if you guys aren't familiar with her, I'll, I'll tell you a really quick story. I'll try not to dominate this conversation too much. There's a woman out of well, she was out of Minneapolis. Her name is Andy Erickson, and she moved out to LA. Gosh, probably six seven years ago. Um, she was like the runner up on I think 2015 season of Last Comic Standing. So she was like second to last. So she did the whole casino and theater tour with those guys. She was on that, uh, that John Stamos and um, Jamie Lee Curtis show that Scream Queens that was out a few years ago. That was kind of like the like horror comedy series they did for Fox. So she was a lead on that. So like, she's had a really big career and you know, she's super funny. She's super, she's wild. I mean, if you, if you watch this girl again, very, very goofy, very surrealist, very into, you know, unicorns and pokemons and things like that 
reason I want to pick her, and this is my quick, quick side story for you guys. So, you know, I, I wrote this book about comedy. I've, I've covered the comedy scene in Minnesota for years, but once upon a time, many, many years ago, back in 07, I had this big moment where I was like, I'm going to be a stand-up comic. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for real. The, the world is going to hear the, the comedy stylings of Patrick Strait. And so I went down to our big club, our big famous club in town. It's Acme Comedy Company. And I went down there and I was all ready. And I was like, okay, signed up for, for open mic and, and I'm ready to do it. And the thing is with the open mic at Acme is if you put a little star next to your name your first time, you get up for sure. So I'm looking at the list and there's like three people before me and we're all first timers. So I have that like megalomaniac confidence of like, I'm just going to blow the roof off. <laughs> the person who goes right before me is Andy Erickson. And Andy Erickson gets up there and I stand by the statement, go out, find her on YouTube, do whatever you got to do to find her, listen to her albums. She's got a dry bar special, all this stuff. She killed harder in three minutes than I've seen established headline theater arena comics do in an entire hour long set. I mean, she destroyed that place to the point that like people people wanted her to keep going. Like people were genuinely trying to see if they could get it so she could go back up and do more jokes. And then it was time for the comedy of Patrick's. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how I did, but one of us has made a major career in, in acting and comedy. And one of us writes about major careers. In acting <laughs> so, so there you go. So that's my, my sentimental pick, my local pick is a woman named Andy Erickson. Check her out. She's definitely uh, she's definitely worth your time, I promise. Uh, okay, uh, Richard and Michael, what is your second choice? Uh, our second choice, and it's less of a person and more of a concept. Um, so I hope I don't get booed off stage for this. But um, Kanye West? Corp- <laughs> it's Donda. 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 <laughs> Um, it is um, corporate comedians, just the entire oh. schmear of dedicating your life to um, becoming a comedian uh, or being restricted within your uh, kind of comedic realm to going up and uh, kind of performing a more, um, uh, you know, company friendly set in mm-hmm. front of a bunch of people who don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, being able to go up there and, um, be funny enough to entertain, uh, but also probably be forgettable, but not to the person who booked you because you want to get booked back again. Mm -hmm. And it must be such a fine line to um, kind of live in that world of uh, kind of corporate comedy where you are being hired to, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking of people though, that must be different when you're like booked for like a, a super big company or like an entertainment company like a, like a, a Disney or like a Fox or whoever for a big corporate event. That must, uh, they probably pull in someone from their stable of um, entertainers that they work with normally. But I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, um, let's say a law firm is having like a, a retreat <laughs> or a, a, a uh, you know, just a big. Um, a printer company. Like, yeah. yeah, big printer company. Oh, does Richard, do you have some experience? No, no, that. no, that's just, <laughs> never mind. Jeff is the former mayor of Burbank, as you have been <laughs> styled. Um, I assume that you would have gotten up and um, when you're introducing people that you've had the same sort of like, oh, well, this is, uh, yeah, here's the band that might not be very good, but you can't quite say that. Yeah, yeah. Patrick, where were we going? 
No, I was just going to say, I think it's a good pick because I also feel like corporate gigs, you have a better chance, I feel like, if you're kind of like of being heckled. And the reason I think that is because like, think about the guy who's had three drinks. He knows everybody in the room. And like, he is that confidence, that liquid confidence where he's <laughs> funnier than this guy. Yeah. I'm the guy in the office who's funny. And now he's going to try to take over, you know? Like, if you don't know anybody in the comedy club, you're, you're going to shut up probably. But I feel like you, you might run into some of those you got to really be on your game to tackle, uh, you know, Hal from, from accounting here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a funny observation. So cool. Uh, chalk one up for corporate comedians or down against them. Uh, we're in a halftime and want to ask you to uh, go out wherever, uh, find uh, a literature sold and uh, find Patrick Strait's book. His last name is uh, spelled S-T-R-I-A-I-T. So lose the G and the H and Patrick straight. Please uh, remind folks again, what's the title of the book? Yeah, it's called the funny thing about Minnesota. Uh, it's the rise, fall and rebirth of twin cities comedy. Um, but you can just look for funny thing about Minnesota. Uh, and it's available, like I said, on Amazon, all major book retailers. Uh, if you're from the Minnesota area, it's in all bookstores. So yeah, check it out. Cool. So uh, we're also going to ask you if you're going to go uh, Google something else, uh, Google Mount Rushmore podcast and you may land on our uh, website where we have an archive of past episodes. You could search comedy and uh, find any time that we've uh, talked about that. And it's actually been tagged by the uh, the uh, web uh, host who are uh, the, <laughs> the webmaster who is me. I would also say it's an award-winning website because uh, the internet service provider informed us we had more malware on our site than any other um, site they've ever had so we did it everyone we did it we did it mission accomplished <laughs> yeah. i've yeah. got a giant banner right behind me yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah so we we did that so we're almost kind of like the ron jeremy of websites so that's oh okay. no 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 jeff no. Ew, ew, ew. Ew. but uh you could also uh at that site or on our social media handles on facebook instagram or twitter uh, suggest a topic for a future Mount Rushmore podcast. Other folks who have done that have ended up being on the podcast and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, we, we are um, now in our sixth season and we hope to do many, many more seasons, which means many opportunities for topics that are suggested by our uh, listeners and supporters. And with that, I think we're going to settle down into our third round and going to ask uh, Patrick Strait to let us know who his third choice for clean comedy is. Sounds good. No, I appreciate it. Okay. Um, all right. My third choice, I'm going to go with somebody who she's originally Minnesota, but she is now uh, much more of a, uh, an LA comic. I'm going to go with a woman named Jackie Cation, who a lot of people awesome. know um, her podcast, the dork forest, which is a big deal. Um, her and Lori Kilmartin have a podcast, the Jackie and Lori show. Um, she's another one who, you know, I've had the opportunity to get to know because she's originally from Minnesota. You know, I, I talk about her in the book a little bit because she was really cutting her teeth out here during kind of the big comedy boom of like the mid to late 80s, right before, you know, kind of the bubble burst. And the cool thing about Jackie is, you know, and again, I'm sure there's probably a recording or a podcast out there of her slipping or saying something she's not supposed to. Um, you know, saying the F word or something, but she really, I mean, she knows her audience and she, she sticks to it, you know, whether she's talking about 
her marriage. She talks about a lot of dork stuff. And I say that in the nicest way. Like, I didn't know what horcruxes were until I saw Jackie's set. <laughs> so she she absolutely, you know, she she knows who her her nerds are out there who are listening, which is very funny. And at the same time, not necessarily, um, you know, to use the the comparison to Gallagher, which is a bad comparison to begin with, but thing where her material stands up over the test of time. You know what I mean? Like you can listen to stuff that's 15 years old now and it's just as funny as it was 15 years ago. So she is my, my Minnesota adjacent pick for number three. Oh, cool. Jackie's awesome. Uh, yeah, Jackie did our, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to drop names, but Jackie was kind enough to do a, a, a show we had in a parking lot uh, out in uh, Burbank. And there were so many during the pandemic, uh, at least towards the end to parking lot shows and things that were outdoors, but uh, um, in not just to, uh, to, I think, develop material in a smaller venue, but actually to support smaller shows. Jackie has been uh, super, super duper doing that because she knows she's got, she knows she's not, um, you know, Seinfeld, but she knows she's got a name that'll put a few butts in seats. And so she's Absolutely. very, very generous to do that. So uh, who's your I third? Haven't heard, I haven't, I haven't heard her stand up, but um, I, I know she's been a guest on um, a ton of podcasts and one of my favorites, uh, Star Wars Minute. She's been on there uh, quite oh, a Oh yeah, that's times. right up her alley. Absolutely. Yes, really. She's always a great, always a great guest. Good choice. All right, uh, Richard Michael, what, what's your third? All right, so my third choice or our third choice. Um, I was working at a company mid 2000s, about 2005 probably. And we were in Las Vegas for a trade show. And our boss said, there's about five or six of us who went. And he said, you know what? Wednesday night, we're going to go out to a nice dinner. Then I'm going to take everyone out to a Vegas show. And I'm thinking, great. Maybe we'll go see Penn and Teller or Blue Man Group or, you know, if I dream to dream, maybe Wayne Newton. (laughs) Um, And we day of the show, I hadn't heard who it was. And the day of the show, he gets into the hall. He's like, all right, so I got us tickets. We're going to see Rita Rudder. <laughs> and you could, I don't know if you could see my face fall when I heard that. I was like, oh, no, really? Because I only knew Rita Rudner from like two things I knew her from. One is the movie Peter's Friends, which I actually like that she co-wrote, which should have been a good sign. Um, but then like her little bits of stand-up comedy that I had seen like on the old comedy central when they would run little, you know, stand-up clips and things like that. And so I went into it with very low expectations and it was one of the funniest shows Hmm. I have ever seen a comedian do just great observational humor, the timing, because, you know, Rita Rudner's kind of got this very kind of far away voice and it for the stuff that she does it just absolutely works and she doesn't work dirty so, you know it's very clean kind of very clean kind of comedy even when she's talking about her relationship with her husband you know she kind of still keeps it very pg and i don't know i was just it was one of those examples where i thought i was going i i, I thought going into it i was going to get a very bland made for midwest kind of middle-aged housewives and their debt and their and their husband's type of show. And it was just a great show. Yeah, she's awesome. I think she also four-walled that show. It was at, I know she was at New York, New York. And, and you know, Rita's is in a lot, unfortunately, uh, comics who are not male uh, often have to 
do a lot more marketing, do a lot more, um, um, put, put themselves out more. And I think Rita actually paid for the theater, booked herself into that pretty much. So, and, but with the confidence knowing that she can, she can kill and that she can fill, fill the theater and that there is speak. This is another angle on that really interesting on the topic. That's interesting is Las Vegas isn't necessarily perceived. It's called sin city for a reason, you know? So, so yeah. people don't expect necessarily a clean experience in that city, much less, uh, see a stand up set that's family friendly. So, or, or just not, not filthy. So. Yeah, no, I was, like I said, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and I, I've, I've gained a new appreciation for her work and, and kind of goes to show you shouldn't judge something. It was kind of a judging a book by the cover sort of okay. thing, on, a thing on my end. Yeah. All right, Patrick. You know what, what one is, thing I, I do want to, hang on yeah. Jeff, there's one thing I do want to say, and this kind of ties back to corporate comedians and it ties into what you're saying here about, you know, you know, women kind of having the, having a little bit more of an uphill battle. I know a, a comic out here named Tiffany Norton, who she's a corporate comic. She does a lot of big ones. And she, not that long ago, keep in mind, this is Minnesota, where I don't know if you guys heard, but there's not great police relations out here. That <laughs> um, and she got booked to do a big police banquet. And she gets up on stage. She's almost completely clean. Every once in a while, she'll get a little bit on the line, but she gets up there. First joke out of her mouth is she just goes, wow, you know, I'm so proud to be at this cop banquet. Uh, I was really going to, I was going to record my set tonight, but I heard you guys don't like to be recorded. So I guess that. (laughs) So she just went for the throat, right? And she said that they actually had a good sense of humor about it. She said that they laughed and she was like, you know, she didn't belabor the point and beat it down. But, but I think you're right. You know what I mean, Jeff? I do think that, you know, a lot of times corporate comics probably look to like, oh, women, they're going to talk about, you know, how tough it is having kids and being Mm -hmm. And, and she just she showed them she could hang she could hang with this group of you know i'm not going to say intoxicated because i'm sure police would never uh get no <laughs> no not at all but uh you know yeah she she held her own so so credit to tiffany that's awesome all right so uh what's your well i'm going to warn uh michael and richard that um you you got an uphill uh battle here because patrick's had some really great choices mitch hedberg andy erickson jackie cation and uh let me just say he's already in the lead and he's probably going to come out uh, with his closer, uh, his big closer here. If, if, if it's, if his choices are shaped like a comedy set. So uh, what's, what's your final, what's your final choice, Patrick? Absolutely. Jeff, you, you were going to know this name and we could go on, we could do a whole separate podcast about this person. We could do a whole Mount Rushmore of this person, but it's my final pick is going to be Minnesota comedy legend, Fancy Ray McClone. Oh, is my grand finale pick. The for best my looking man in showbiz. <laughs> the best looking man in comedy. The, oh gosh, the chocolate orchid. Chocolate He's orchid. A thousand <laughs> nicknames for himself. If you have been alive in or around the state of Minnesota in the last 30, 40 years, if you own a TV, if you have a friend who owns a TV, <laughs> on the street when it's above 60 degrees, you know who Fancy Ray is. Man is a legend of Minnesota. I think it goes Prince and Fancy Ray. And I- <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he kind of looks like if Prince and Little Richard had a baby. Yeah. Self-styled. Oh my gosh. Think, yeah. he, yes, yes. And you know what? The funny thing is, you're probably looking at a picture of him from you know the 80s. He looks like that now. Today, <laughs> the same hair, the same chains, the whole. Yeah. Fancy Ray is still doing. The- I think uh, when I moved to Minnesota in 98 or I forget what, what year it was, 
um, Jesse, the body Ventura was elected as the governor. And I remember people asking, like, is it crazy to have him as your governor? I said, I said he was not the most flamboyant person on the, the ticket because I think <laughs> Fancy Ray and Fancy Ray's mom were, were running against him. That yes, that, that definitely. Is. I mean, Fancy Ray, real quick, real quick history lesson. I won't get long winded. But so for those who don't know, Fancy Ray started doing stand up in Minnesota in the 80s. And, you know, he really was this flamboyant character that we're all talking about. You know, he was. He was doing the, you know, he was doing the rhymes on stage. He had the look of little Richard, um, but he was also just such a big personality that he, he started his own public access show in Minnesota called Get Down with Fancy Ray. And it became like a real legitimate entertainment entity in Minnesota. I mean, he had little Richard himself was a guest. Prince was a guest on this show. Mm. Had all these A-list celebrities who would come to town and nobody knew how fancy Ray was doing it, but he was getting these A-list celebrities to sit down and talk to Kirby Puckett right around the time of the 91 World Series. He was the biggest athlete in the world. And, and the funny thing is, no matter who went on his show, Fancy Ray was still the star of the show. And he <laughs> wanted to become a, he was a pitch man. He's still a pitch man uh, for everything from solo meets in Minneapolis to, uh, I mean, dry cleaners to sex shops to you name it, Fancy Ray will sell it to you. Um, and truly one of the nicest guys too, you know, he's still fancy Ray for being around as long as he has and for being such a legend, you know, he's another guy who had the, the privilege of talking to for this book and hearing some of his stories about the old days and even hearing some of his stories about, you know, overcoming some of the, you know, not that racism is not still a major issue, but overcoming some of the race, uh, racial issues he, he had to deal with doing comedy in like the eighties and going to these little small towns in Minnesota where, you know, they didn't, they weren't really excited to have a black guy in town period. And then you'd get fancy Ray who'd show up and he'd have the butter curls and he'd have lipstick on sometimes. So he really was putting it in their face and he still, he was unapologetically him. And the thing I was going to say is he is still doing it. He's still hitting open mics. He's still doing shows in Minnesota. And, you know, he's one of those guys who, who gets, he gets credit, but I think that he's one of those ones who never will get the credit he fully deserves, unfortunately, until until we no longer have a fancy Ray. And then we're all going to remember, you know, just how great it was to have him. At least if you're from Minnesota, you could at least pass through. So mm-hmm. I'm I, the best man, the best looking man in comedy, fancy Ray. That's my fourth pick. <laughs> Put him on the map. <laughs> well, that's a great, that's a great, great pick. And uh, I will echo uh, Patrick's sentiment of Google fancy Ray. And I will say that even though he maybe like Hedberg, uh, he is somebody who presents a when I saw him, a clean set, uh, but he absolutely exudes sexuality. <laughs> so, he, <laughs> he, like you said, the dichotomy there is is just because there are no expletives uh, doesn't mean that there isn't a kind of a vibe going down. Um, but yeah, fancy Ray is super cool. So great choice. Um, all right, Richard and Michael, good luck. That's all I gotta say to you. What what's your last choice? Okay, well, from from fancy Ray McClooney, we're gonna go to um, most average uh, Ray Romano, <laughs> who uh, you know I grew up watching him as not him, but a squiggle squiggle vision version of him on a Dr. Katz Family Therapist when um, he was just like this cartoon voice, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, griping on the kind of pangs of like um, married life and uh, raising twins and. Uh, telling jokes about candy. And I think he kind of uh, parlayed that into a career of being a sitcom dad and a talking woolly mammoth and um, other such things. But 
not being anything too edgy or anything. And um, I think that's somehow that turned into my image of him um, as a comedian going forward. That is an interesting uh, observation. I think the connection between exploring alternate scenarios for your comedy other than say your sex life, uh, talking about parenting, talking about family. Um, and that seems like the shortcut that a lot of comics at the time were taking to try to get that sitcom was essentially using your comedy set to describe this um, uh, appealing scenario with a, an unending number of uh, funny um, situations to get into. And uh, Romano definitely did that really well. And, you know, like David Tell in his stand-up set, he talks about um, sex a lot or, you know, sexual things and he uses expletives, but yeah, his, he was also on, on Dr. Katz, but uh, he didn't, he didn't get a sitcom out of it. <laughs> he got his own type of show insomniac and Rick Romano is kind of like reverse Bob Saget where Bob Saget's stand up and his like in, in on the stage uh, kind of outlet was to be kind of a very blue comedian, but his, uh, you know, kind of on screen persona, at least on, um, full house and America's funny. Some videos was very clean and it was kind of like the reverse. It was like, you'd kind of find out that Bob Saget actually worked really blue and was really raunchy on stage versus like, you know, just the clean cut dad persona, um, he portrayed. Oh yeah. That's an interesting, uh, uh, thing to find out that, uh, Clark Kent is filthy, but <laughs> Superman is. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to thank our guest, uh, Patrick Strait for coming in and just, um, just, myrtleizing on you fool so um you know he he killed and uh you guys had to follow him so i i want to appreciate uh, the fact that he wrote this amazing book uh, uh uh profiling the comics who might be in a region that's kind of overlooked because it's in flyover territory between la and new york um and before uh, we make some selections uh patrick could you uh i know you reminded us but we have a short-term uh, memory type of audience so could you let us know again uh where people can get your book not a problem yeah funny thing about minnesota uh it's about the rise and fall and rebirth of twin cities comedy and you know i'll do a, i'll do a quick shill jeff basically you know you said it's kind of a flyover but i think minnesota is one of those markets when you actually start to kind of drill down and you know i i subtly kind of did a little bit of that with my choices tonight but i mean there's so many incredible talents that came from minnesota and you still hear comics talking about minnesota as such an incredible comedy town you know whether that is you know, the Mitch Hedbergs and the Nick Swardsons and the, you know, uh, old Jackie Cations we talked about, you know, all the way down to the originals, like, you know, Louis Anderson and Scott Hansen and, you know, these, these big names who really were creating comedy without a roadmap. You know, when these guys got started in you know, the late 70s, early 80s, you had New York, you had California, but you really didn't have a lot of stand-up scenes between those two. So the fact that Minnesota has become such an incredible thriving scene without you know, having all that long kind of performing history, whether that's, you know, the, you know, music scene, acting, things like this, I think is a really incredible testament. So hopefully, you know, even if you're not a Minnesota person, I really think, you know, there's a lot of stories in this book and a lot of people who passed through here when before they became a big deal, you know, there's some really funny stuff I learned about Jay Leno when he used to perform out here, um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, some of the folks that we've talked about here today, you know, we, we, uh, there's no mention of Gallagher, although that's a whole other book for a whole other day. <laughs> but yeah, so to your original question, Jeff, you know, the funny thing about Minnesota is from the Minnesota Historical Society Press. 
Um, you can get it online and, you know, Amazon, you can get it at pretty, any, pretty much any major booksellers website, Barnes and Nobles, things like that. If you're in or around the Minnesota area, stop by the Historical Society uh, Museum, pick it up there, pick it up in any local bookstore, um, you know, get it on your, your Kindle, your whatever you're reading, man, it's, it's out there. So hopefully you'll, you'll check it out. And if you're a comedy fan, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you're a casual comedy fan, I think you'll learn a lot. And I think you'll enjoy it too. So there you go. There's awesome. Bitter show for you. All right. Thank you so much. Well, so when we pick our, our, our Mount Rushmore here, why don't we go with some Minnesota folks? So let's go with the and amazing Andy Erickson. Awesome. Jackie Cation, the fabulous, uh, fancy Ray McCloney. And uh, because uh, she has been a pioneer uh, in comedy and uh, um, Richard and Michael deserve to have one point up on the board, let's go with Rita. Rutherford. So, yeah. And y'all, y'all pick some R's. We got Rita Runner, Ray Romano. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> Fancy Ray. Fancy Ray. That's right. It's true. It's, yeah. yeah. All right. Theme uh, episode this week. By the way, I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to interrupt you. Late on us. First thing I do really appreciate you guys letting me come on here, but I had to know, so I looked it up here. The reason why Gallagher sued Gallagher too, <laughs> he told Gallagher too he couldn't do the sledgeomatic. Can oh. you any bits from Gallagher besides <laughs> yeah. He took the only thing he had away from him. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. He, te- like he, he tells he tells Gallagher too, you can have the hat with the hair attached to it, and that's it. it. <laughs> It's like you can have my controversial opinions about interracial marriage. Yeah. But not happening, bud. <laughs> That's so funny. Unknown, I'm, you, you, the unknown comic sells his act, but no paper bags. You have to do it without. Thank you so much for your time, Patrick. We appreciate it, and uh, we're going to sign off. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of clean comedy. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Awesome, Patrick. Thank you guys so much for having me. 